Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast, dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thanks for joining me today on this episode as we talk about on-ball defense. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of the Coach's Edge and Kramer Basketball. And over the summer, we talked a ton about shooting the rock, and rightfully so. Shooting is maybe never been more important than it is now in today's game. But my bad, we have not talked enough about the other side of the ball in the past few months. And so that's why I wanted to do a couple episodes, actually really pinpointing how you can evaluate your players as tryouts come around, the beginning of the season comes around regarding on-ball defense in this specific episode. And if you are a player, I'd highly encourage you to listen all the way through to this episode as well, because I think it's going to give you some great pointers of some things that you can do better when you're guarding the ball. And we're particularly touching on man-to-man defense, although you'll find some of these characteristics apply to any type of defense that you're playing. Listen, you have to get stops, and for many teams, their best offense is their defense, right? You can turn uh, that getting that stop into uh, some transition for you. So let's think about this from a high school coaching perspective as we go through this, this podcast and you're evaluating your players, maybe it's tryouts, maybe it's for cuts, maybe it's for setting up some ground rules for how you're going to play this upcoming season. So here's 10 tips for on-ball defensive evaluation. Number one, what's the communication like and what's the communication level of your team and each player on the team? What are the expectations? Communication needs to happen on ball. It needs to happen off ball, right? So when your players are guarding the ball, what's the level of communication that they need to have? I can tell you from firsthand experience, one of the biggest transitions I had to make from high school to college ball was my communication. It was not up to par. And we had a, he's, he's in the BCAM Hall of Fame, Mark Gainforth. He was a former college coach. And we communicated, right? But then when I went to college and I went and started playing at Hope, Hope College, I mean, the communication level of some of my teammates, I was like, okay, this is how it's got to be from, from now on. And that was an adjustment for me. The more you can communicate at a high level early, the easier defense is going to be for your entire team. So the communication level, that's number one, got to be evaluated. Number two, I think this is the hardest part of defense, and that's the closeout. I'm not going to tell you how to close out, okay? I have my own preferences, Okay. But to me, the closeout is the hardest part of defense is that time frame, that short split second where you go from in the gap or in the help side to now guarding the ball. And you don't know if that player is going to lift, if they're going to keep moving the ball, if they're going to rip and drive, they're going to get in change direction. What are they going to do? So the closeout needs to be practiced a ton. And you also need to give your players a guide. Right. How do you want them to close out? I know coaches that want two hands high, one hand high. I preferably a couple couple details here. When if we're closing out and it's you have different types of closeouts, you have the short closeout and you have a long closeout, especially if we're getting into a long closeout. I do not like any hands up early. We're getting into a sprint as we start to close the gap on the defensive player instead of putting one hand high. 
I really like two hands that are creeping up a little closer to the shoulders, right? And if I get my hands closer to the shoulders, it's going to be easier for me to take a hand down and start moving on a drive, get a hand down on a crossover. But because my hands are around my shoulders, I could easily lift up and get into a contest as well. That's just my own thoughts and philosophy. But I'm I'm just concentrating on getting out there first. And one of my friends, John Spruance, and, and um, at Southern Indiana, and they teach the pack line. He's like, we just got to get there. We just have to get there, right? And certain players mechanically move a little differently. As long as they're getting the job done, then he's like, hey, way to go. Let's get it done. And if they continue to get blown by, all right, maybe we'll teach them a little more from a footwork and mechanics standpoint. But you have to let your players know what you want from them when it comes to closing out. Number three, fundamentally, what does your stance, your slides, some of the footwork look like on ball defensively, right? Now, I know some coaches don't want the feet to come together. I know some coaches um, never want you to cross your feet when you're playing defense. Um, I'm probably not the coach for you, okay? Now, as often as possible, I want our, our core and our torso facing the ball, right? But as far as how we get into some of our movements with our feet, we have to get it done, right? And there's certain times where cross-stepping, being able to turn into more of a close stance and, and get a sprint into a, a stop is the footwork that is necessary because a player going forward is much faster than a defender moving backward or lateral. So there's times where we do need to cross our feet so that we can stay in front of that defense player. You can sprint faster than you can slide. Let's face it. Okay. So as may as it, it may not be as clean and as textbook, we need to teach various types of footwork if we're going to good, do a good job of staying in front of our player. Do your players know that? Maybe they've been taught some different things in junior high or in youth basketball. Do you have a good feel for the situations of, you know, at our camps when we're teaching on-ball defense, we do something called slide to sprint and sprint to slide. We'll also do a, a drill called um, slide to cut, which is – um, it's not a zigzag drill, you know, during zigzags, I don't like it. You're, you're teaching to open up. Right. And honestly, like that really doesn't happen in a game anyway, like kids going to make a move and they're going to try to bust it. You have to do a good job of cutting them off. And it's a bad habit if we cut them off and then we drop stuff, open them up. So what we try to work on is, okay, if we need to sprint to get in front of an offensive player, can we cut them off? and then try to level the ball handler and make them an east-west player. Now, eventually, if we're picking up full court, they're going to try to hit the gas and drive us again. But if we can sprint, cut, and try to level that player off, we're doing a pretty good job defensively and really making them work. Nonetheless, that's number three. What is the fundamentals? What are the fundamentals, I should say, of the stance, the slides, and the footwork that you need to use? Number four. Do your players have the ability, so as you're evaluating your players, do they have the ability to cut off players on a dribble drive? And so that's the next level for a lot of good on-ball defenders, right? If they can go from a good solid closeout, they're staying in front, they're moving their feet, 
But now that player gets into a cutback, a change of direction move. They go into their second move, whatever that is. Maybe they've ripped it and from the three-point line and they're down to the, the elbow area in 15 feet. Does your player have the ability to cut off that dribble drive once that offensive player, they had previously gained some type of an offensive advantage? And if you have defenders that can do that on ball, that's huge. And that means you're going to have to rely on less gap and less help side defense because you're clearly doing a nice job on the defensive on ball aspect of it. So that's something that we want to evaluate with players. They may do all those first phases, right? Do your, does your player have the ability, right? To be able to take a cutback or a change of direction, a secondary move from the offense player and still stay in front. That's huge, huge, huge. Number five, how do we stop the basketball in transition? Okay. So we're evaluating how our players stop the basketball in transition. But in order to do that, we need to make sure that we're teaching our players, how do you want them to pick up and transition? Do you want them to force to a certain side? What is the level of the pickup in transition? Is it half court? Is it maybe a third court? Is it even back to, you know, the just above the three-point line area? What does that look like? Because your players may have the ability to pick up and transition, but if they don't know what you want, right, then everybody's hurting. And so make sure we've communicated what we want, how we want it done, and then we can evaluate, does that player really have the ability to stop the ball in transition? That's really, really big. Okay, so that's that's five. Number six, KYP, know your personnel getting into the IQ of the game for your players. Do they understand the strengths and the weaknesses of their individual matchup and of the roster on the other team? Understanding who's a shooter, who's a driver, right? Some some uh, coaches will use names of famous players, right? Shooter would be a, you know, a Ray Allen. A driver would be a Ben Simmons, right? I don't know if you'd want to even call him a driver. I don't know what. Maybe that's a bad example. I'm not sure what you call Ben Simmons. Um, let me think of another player who really can't shoot. Um, I don't know. In the past, you might call him a Rondo, something like that. Um, and then a player. They can do some of everything, right? So like a, a Kobe, for example. They could rip and dunk on you. They could pull a, a three in the mid-range, right? And so he, he gives some names to different types of different types of players. And so that's a, that's a big one. And when it comes to knowing your personnel – then do they have the ability to try to take away whatever that biggest strength is of that specific player? And if they do, that's the, that's another level of how we are evaluating our on-ball defenders. We want players that can stay in front. They can close out fundamentally sound, right? They have the ability to, to be able to stay in front, even on a, a cutback, that secondary move, right? They understand the IQ aspect of how, why, when, when they're in transition and we need to pick up, they know the personnel in the half court, right? As far as playing to the, the opponent's weaknesses, not giving them their strengths. And then number seven goes into that too. They don't take chances. Great defenders, in, in, in my experience, do not take chances. You might have a player on your team who averages a lot of steals. and You're like, boy, they're not really close to our best defender. Maybe they are. Maybe they're a great off-ball defender, which we'll talk about in a future episode. 
but I always, I always think of my college teammate, Jeff Carlson, always think of my college teammate, Jeff Carlson. He was so good as an on-ball and off-ball defender, and he got very, very few steals. And it wasn't because he didn't have the ability to get steals, but he understood what he could get, what he couldn't, and he trusted himself and the other four players on his team to get a stop anyway. So he did not take many chances. So he didn't get many steals, but he was the best defender that, I mean, I probably ever played against in college period. Right. And that includes all the other teams that, that we played against. And a big part of that, he, he never took chances, just very solid in what he knew his, his strengths and weaknesses were as well as that of the opponent. And we need to make sure that we're teaching and preaching that to our players. Right. Don't, don't take chances. You're leaving the other four players. You know, now it's a five on four. Now it's a four on three. Now it's a three on two. Man, we worked so hard on this defensive possession, but because you took a chance. Hey, coaches, let me take a quick break to thank you for listening to the Coaches Edge podcast. Our listenership continues to grow. And a big reason for that is the positive ratings and review. So if you haven't already, if you could take less than a minute, your time, leave a positive rating and review wherever you're listening to your podcast, whether that's Apple or Spotify, I would certainly greatly, hugely appreciate it. Again, the podcast is free to listen. So leaving a positive rating and review goes a really long way as far as your support. Thank you for being such a big part of the Coach's Edge, our growth. I can't thank you enough and we couldn't do it without you. Let's get back to the show. a very risky chance. Now everybody's in recovery and and we're in big trouble. Now I'm not saying there's not times to take chances or there's not certain defenses that are much more based on getting the offense in uncomfortable positions. And then we take some chances as far as playing the passing lanes. But to me, that's what it is. When, even when I was coaching eighth grade basketball, right. And we did a ton of man-to-man. We did a ton of full-court pressure. We ran uh, some variation of a run and jump, not a true run and jump. We called it panic. But I'd tell my guys, I was like, guys, listen, if you're on the ball or you're trapping the ball, you're not going for a steal. You are not going for a steal. You are not taking chances. That's the job of our off-ball defenders who are playing the passing lanes. They're the ones that get the steal on this one. You're the ones performing the trap and pressuring the ball. Don't take those chances. Don't leave your teammates out to dry. Right? Don't get called for any cheap, any cheap fouls. Number eight, as you're watching your players defend, is the offensive player uncomfortable? I mean, that's an easy yes or no most of the time. It's a, and it's as simple as an eye test, not even what are some of the results. You can tell by an offensive player's body language a lot of times if they are comfortable or not. This was another area that I grew from a high school to college player. As a high school player, in my mind, if I stayed in front, if I contested the shot, I was playing good defense. And in college, it was much more, no, this this player needs to be concerned that you're guarding them, right? They need to be on alert. They're not looking for that next pass what they're going to do with the next action within their offense. They're, they're so caught up in the pressure that you're giving them that they're having trouble even thinking about what is to come. And you got a team full of players like that. 
that's really, really dangerous, right? So evaluate your players when they're playing on-ball defense. Is the offensive player uncomfortable when they're being guarded by them? All right. Number nine, do they have the ability to stay in front? We touched on this a little bit when it comes to cutting off the second move. But regardless of if it's a fast break, if it's transition, this is kind of an all a big idea tip. Do your defenders stay in front of the ball? They stay in front of the ball. The ball scores. The ball is the most important thing, right? In the game of basketball, the ball, nothing happens without the ball. Do they have the ability to consistently stay in front? And if they do that, it's a telltale sign that they're doing a lot of other things correctly. And then the last tip or the 10th tip is, do they then have the ability to dictate a direction, right? So if that first level is consistently staying in front of the ball, that next level would be not only can they stay in front of the ball, we can start to dictate where the basketball is, right? So that's another layer, another level of good, strong on-ball defense. Does, do those players have the ability to dictate a direction, to keep it on a side, to force middle or to force baseline, to force it um, to a certain spot in your half court so you can get into your run and jump, so you, so you can get into your trap, whatever that may look like. Can they dictate more of a spot, even if it's not pushing the ball to a certain area? Do they have the ability to dictate the spot so they're more or less keeping the ball in a certain area so that other defenders can do their job. So being able to dictate that direction is our 10th and final tip. Let's review these real quick. One, communication level. Two, the fundamentals, right, of the closeout. Right? That's the hardest part of defense, in my opinion, is the closeout. So are we teaching that? And do players have the ability to, to get a good closeout in? Right, to take that first option away is huge. Number three, what's the fundamentals of the closeout, the stance, the slides, the footwork that we want to have? Number four, do they have the ability to cut a player off on that drive or their second move? Again, if they rip it and get to the elbow and then they cut back and change direction at the elbow, do they have the ability to still stay in front? That's huge. Number five, are they stopping the ball in transition? Make sure we're teaching that. Number six, know your personnel. Do they have the ability to take away the strength of that offensive player? Number seven, don't take chances. Again, shout out to Jeff Carlson if he's listening. Number eight, is the offensive player uncomfortable when they're being guarded? It's a huge thing, right? It's not good enough to simply stay in front. We want to take it next level. Are they uncomfortable? comfortable right so we're kind of going backwards here and the, the biggest idea as far as on ball defense as we wrap it up number nine staying in front staying in front and if we can start to say do they stay in front in all these different areas we're doing really well and then that next tier are they able to dictate directions with the ball handler or able to dictate spots or space with the ball handler we have multiple defenders. We're going to have a, an amazing defense, four or five out there at a time that can do this. 
you have an amazing defense and you're setting yourself up for success. Okay. So as you think about this eval process with your players, and I'll list these in the description uh, below. So you can, you know, just copy them down and put it in your notes as you're watching your team defend, or maybe give it to your assistant coach or your JV coach. Um, so they can evaluate some of the players during some of their scrimmages, open gyms, defensive play, whatever that might be. But if you can start to communicate at a high level what you want, I think that's the biggest thing. Talking with a handful of coaches, I feel like sometimes we're more clear on the offensive end because if we're not on the same page offensively, the pass isn't going to be there. The dribble drive handoff isn't going to be there. The ball screen's not going to be there. It's pretty clear in that. But on the defensive side, for many coaches, I personally think, and I'm talking to myself as well, I can be more specific with what I actually want from our guys or girls that we're working with when it comes to defense. I can save them a lot of time and energy, right, so that they can then put that into doing the best that they can now that they have a good understanding of here's where we're stopping ball. Here's where we're trying to force it. Are we making sure that the offensive player is uncomfortable? If we have a certain philosophy as far as taking away another team's strength or as an individual strength, they know this already. If we can do those things, I think we're setting ourselves up for success in the long run. And, you know, as the season gets ready to kick off, it's really important that we're setting ourselves up with some of these foundational concepts instead of setting ourselves up to win the battle right? You want to win the war, not the battle, so to speak, right? And so set yourself up for long-term success by holding true to some of your foundational beliefs when it comes to on-ball defense, whatever they might be, right? Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. I certainly appreciate you. I hope you thought this was helpful. If you want some help this basketball season, sign up for our membership. It's coachesedge.coach. You will not find another online resource for coaches that combines the resources through the website, as well as the personal touch, the personal communication of how we consistently work with our coaches. We watch game film of our teams during the, during the season, at least two game films of our coaches edge members. We touch base with them weekly through email. It is not an approach where, Hey, you bought our membership. Thanks. Hope you enjoy it. Have a nice life. No, we are we are invested in you becoming a better coach and having a more successful program. And we want to be a part of that. Those are the coaches that we're looking for. So if that's you and I'm talking to you, hit me up. Um, questions, contact at KramerBasketball.com. Love to connect with new coaches around the country, wherever that might be. Thanks for listening. And as always, get after it today.